Hey all you cool cats and kittens. It's me, Marilyn, from Beyond Benning Podcast. Did everyone get a chance to watch Tiger King during quarantine? It's insane. But all jokes aside, I hope everyone is safe and okay. With all of COVID-19 happening and quarantining, I hope everyone is staying safe, um, practicing social distancing. Um, if you have been affected by COVID-19, for me and everyone at Beyond Benning Podcast, our hearts go out to you. And thank you for all the new listeners that have found us and have been listening to this podcast while in quarantine. A lot of people actually have been finding us and personally, a month after COVID-19 turned into a pandemic, work has been just crazy and I've been kind of working nonstop and haven't had the time to work on this podcast, but for me in my life right now, things have been slowing down and so I'm back and putting time into releasing this episode. And also, um, I do want to hear from you all. How have you been? Um, please write fan mail to us at beyondbending at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And also, um, if you have any questions pertaining to season one, please ask us. We would love to answer some fan mail in future episodes. And to be honest, I have kind of been obsessed with Animal Crossing lately. I don't know if you are too, but I just ordered a capture card and I think it's coming in the mail today. So I'm really excited to give you a tour of my island. I named it Kiyoshi Island and I'm planning on putting it up on our YouTube channel. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Follow us on social media uh, when I release it. And I do want to do kind of like a I got inspired by Tagback TV for all you Animal Crossing fans. He he has a YouTube channel where he takes tours of like five star islands. And I kind of want to do the same where I visit Avatar inspired Animal Crossing islands. So if you do have an Avatar themed Animal Crossing island that you would like me to come visit, I would love to and share it with the rest of you guys. So yeah, go ahead and shoot me an email or reach out on social media. I'm most active on Instagram. And yeah, I hope everyone stays safe during quarantine and uh, we'll get through this together. I also want to put a little disclaimer. So when we recorded this episode of The Blue Spirit, it was before COVID-19 turned into a pandemic. And so uh, some of our comments may seem insensitive. I apologize for that. But in hindsight, it's kind of eerie how how everything played out after we recorded this episode. So our way of coping with COVID-19 was through humor. And I apologize if we do come off as insensitive, especially if you have been affected by COVID-19. But I'm really excited to play this episode for you guys. We did kind of end abruptly. So um, if you stay till the end, be sure to follow us on all the social media if you haven't already. And um, if you can, please leave us a review if you like what we're doing. You don't have to comment on the reviews. I think you, you could just like rate the podcast. If you do have time, please leave us a review. It would mean a lot to us. Now, without further ado, let's get started. Warning, the following podcast contains massive spoilers. If you haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra yet, and don't mind spoilers, hopefully this podcast will inspire you to watch along with us. Now let's begin. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Bending, a show about a bunch of millennials analyzing an animated kids show. I'm your host, Marilyn, and today's special guest I have, I have my co-host, Edward Joseph Pio Montesnapati. And then my special guest is... Joanna Bautista Emiliana Victoria Camilla Juanita Ordonez. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. But call her Dot. Yeah. For sure. Is that really your full name? <laughs> no. Oh my god. It's like one of those weird little name thingies where it's like, oh, you take the name of like your street, you take yeah. your like grandma's name, like it was long. Damn, I need to remember mine. Please. Anyways, back to Avatar. <laughs> So today's episode, we're going to be doing Season 1, Episode 13, The Blue Spirit. Are who you, could it be? Who, who, who knows? Are you too nervous? I'm kind of nervous. Like, this 
this is a big episode. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there where this is their favorite episode. Like, this is who they cosplay. Like, every mm. every con is the blue spirit. I don't know. I'm nervous. I want to make this good. Wow. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I wasn't before, but I was like, let's get here. Let's be efficient. Let's go. <laughs> no, but I agree. I think it's a really pivotal episode because it's where everything kind of comes to a head. I wrote in my notes, we watched it maybe like 30 minutes prior to recording. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is right, so you got to fact check me. Is this the first time we hear about Sozin's Comet? No. No? Because Roku... Avatar Roku. Roku yeah, says Roku it, says right? It. And then they set up, like, the stronghold of Bossing Say, how they're going to go, and their main target is Bossing Say, because that's the last stronghold of the Earth Kingdom, and if that falls, this is it. Was that in a previous episode? I forgot which I episode... But someone was like, I pity the fool that tries to conquer Bossing Say, and then it like cuts to Uncle Iroh. But I forgot who said that. They like foreshadowed it. <laughs> it's been a whole year doing this podcast, and so right now I'm like my mindset is season one Zuko. And it's painful. Like I can't when I when I'm on Instagram and I see like, oh, everyone's talking about Zuko's redemption arc and all of that, I can't picture it yet because like I'm on podcast mode. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's where I'm at with Zuko. Yeah, he still has the ugly hair. <laughs> like I'm super over his ugly, I don't know. I'm sorry if anybody out there has that hair, but like change it. It's supposed to be like a traditional <laughs> yeah, hairstyle, yeah, right? Like, wow, Eddie. Ponytail, no, but bald. Yeah, like, and then with the scar, it's like, it's very severe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's Goro? Is that his name? Goro? Yeah, from um, Mortal Kombat. Search Goro from oh. Mortal Kombat. Oh, this guy. Oh, yeah, that's Zuko. <laughs> yeah, Wait, does he have a skull thing? <laughs> no, no, it's like, oh. I don't know. But yeah, anyways, okay. Goro. Yeah, but um, in regards to Zuko being season one Zuko, it's hard not to watch this and that last scene with Zuko and Aang in this episode, mm. not see and not think about what's coming, having seen the rest of the season. Yeah. So I like I can't look at it through the lens of when I first watched it, right? Um, and we'll get to that later, but it's just season one Zuko is so like, it's like hearing chalk, like fingernails on a chalkboard, because it's yeah. like, he's just so angry and like My annoying honor. all the time. So, okay, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. What do you say? My my honor, my throne, my country. I just put whiny ass Zuko in my notes. <laughs> so one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Eddie on to this episode is because he hates Zuko and you love Zuko. I love Zuko wow. because he represents the ultimate or the epitome of how to do a good character mm. um, in terms of character development. Um, an example for how you can turn toxic masculinity around. Like being a girl, that wasn't necessary for me to watch, but I really appreciated seeing a character like that kind of go from this like asshole very like into their own selves and their own goals and come to unlearn and kind of go through that journey of being disillusioned and come out on it stronger and with a better sense of his duty to the whole world rather than himself Mm. so it's pretty I don't know he's so good and I can see why I think I can see why (laughs) if you're focusing on season one Zuko you won't like him what do you think (laughs) Well, I just compare him to my favorite character, which is Toph. So I feel like she also had a bad beginning. I mean, being blind, being a a girl, and she doesn't whine about it. She never whined about it. Her arc was, there was no arc. She was just always awesome and loved herself and is like, fuck it, this is me, this is who I am, and I'm going to be great. I'm going to be the greatest. That's what I love about her, whereas this guy... First off, I love you, Dante Bosco, (laughs) if you're hearing me. I love you. (laughs) But I just, I don't know, I can't stand the whiny... What is it, like, pale skin, 
pasty white boy pasty well he's not white but yeah pasty skinny like sad emo boy that needs to be fixed yeah like i i don't like it i i hate that character that timothy (laughs) that true i don't the ben solo kind of thing i don't know i can i can see that i think that definitely changes throughout the seasons and as far as Toph not really having an arc, like, I agree. She's always been badass. Like, she's one <laughs> of my favorite characters, too. Um, but I think Toph's development throughout the series, she's always been really confident in her abilities as a person. Um, even though she has a handicap being blind, she's always been super sure of herself in those abilities. But I think because she was isolated for so long, she didn't really see her worth as a friend, somebody who mm. could be worthy of compassion. Mm. Um, and that's where her arc is like really meaningful to me is because she comes to learn what family really is mm. because she never re- received that from her, her own family. Right, right. Yeah. So I don't know. She's badass. But Zuko is definitely <laughs> that trope. But they do it so well. They handle it so <laughs> it's well. It's one of the best yeah. art. Yeah, like, I can't deny that his art is one of the best arcs ever. Like, ever. In yeah. cartoons and just stories from what he is, this stupid, whiny dude, to who he is at the end is crazy. Yeah. We all watched the episode before we started recording this, because um, we all live together. If you... Uh, don't remember Joanna. She was in our very first episode mm-hmm. with Anthony. Mm-hmm. And she also has, like, this ongoing feud with Brian about how yeah. firebenders are cheaters. Uh, but we'll do that after. Oh, like, okay. Like, are we getting into it? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I tell everybody about how I first heard the episode in a oh, cafe, no. and I was like, what do I do? I'm so angry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, wow, am I so pressed about this in a cafe? I'm just like, oh, Oh, another goal for 2020 <laughs> is getting more iTunes reviews. Uh, that's what I forgot to like mm. keep um, mentioning in the past episodes. So if you can, leave us a review. Hopefully something positive. Good but if- reviews only. <laughs> <laughs> we did get one really weird review, and it's on the oh internet. So I guess you could see it, and I don't want to go into it. If you have a re- if you have a review, let's just say keep it about the show and its content, not necessarily your political views, <laughs> because this show is political, believe yeah. it or not. And if your views don't align with Marilyn's or anybody else's on this show. That's okay. Trust me, it's okay. You can still keep listening. You can be critical about it, but start a conversation. Don't outright attack Marilyn or what anybody else is saying for their views because it's 2020. Like you're really wasting your time writing a comment, or I don't know. It's just it's just wild. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, we gotta start this episode. I know. Oh, but the other review, and it's a good, fair review, um, mm-hmm. someone mentioned about the long recaps. And so for 2020, I'm going to try keeping the recaps shorter. And then I think for this episode, it might be like... Not even. Yeah. It's like <laughs> barely like any recaps. <laughs> yeah, because we're just going to dive right in. But you all should remember the episode, The Blue Spirit. Yeah. What was my what was my 30 second recap in oh, emojis? Shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn it. What did I say? Eddie's going to take over for this recap. All right. Timer. Go. Sokka sick. Katara sick. They need this tea paste, but they don't need the tea paste because the tea paste is for Miyuki, the cat. <laughs> the cat. They actually need frogs. Frozen frogs. Frozen frogs. Aang got captured. Blue Spirit rescued Aang. Blue Spirit got hit. Blue Spirit's Zuko, Zuko firebends at Aang, and Sokka and Katara suck the frogs. Damn. Easy. That was 30 seconds. Oh, was it? Oh, no way. (laughs) Even with my stutter. (laughs) But yeah, no, that's the highlights. (laughs) The only thing I missed, though, one of the big ones, is the Yuan archers. Yeah, I'll take over the the recap for now. (laughs) 
try to add some structure to it. <laughs> <laughs> the episode starts at nighttime, and Commander Zhao wants to use the Yuan archers to hunt down the Avatar. But the other commander is giving him attitude. And then a Firehawk? What are they called? A Firehawk comes, delivers a message, and Commander Zhao gets promoted to Admiral Zhao. And it's crazy because in the span of 13 episodes, he gets promoted twice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he, like, sticks it to the other general, and we cut to this really amazing abandoned Earth Kingdom place. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, uh, the statues of, like, the badger moles. I forgot which episode it was, but it's when someone's like, Aang, like, your past lies, blah, blah, blah. And it cuts to all of the avatars doing things. And I think it's Avatar Kyoshi. That whole setting is where she's, like, lifting up the badger moles like it's nothing. And I was like, hey, they're there. And then the scene cuts deeper into, like, one of the rooms Sokka's just, like, losing his mind. He's hallucinating. Yeah, he's so feverish. He's just done. (laughs) And then I love how Katara is like, don't worry, I'm not sick. But she starts coughing, and Aang is like, wait, that's how Sokka started. And then all of us just instantly thought of, like, the coronavirus. (laughs) Is it bad to talk about the coronavirus? Apparently, according to Avatar The Last Airbender, episode 13, (laughs) Blue Spirit... (laughs) <laughs> All we really need are some frogs to suck on. Wood frogs. Yeah. Frozen, yeah. frozen, wood, frozen frogs wood frogs. From the lake that Aang happened to fall into. And he's like, oh yeah, frogs, here they go. When he's being chased by the Yuan archers. Yes. But he was heading there because the florist, mm. the old lady... Herbalist? Yes. Herbalist? Yes. Sent him there. Oh, what was her name? I don't um, know if they said her name. I know that... Cat's name is Miyuki. Miyuki. <laughs> oh, I looked up who the herbalist was or who the actress was, uh-huh. and it's uh, Marianne Thornberry from oh, the yeah. Wild Thornberries, the mom. I think I've tried looking that up too. Yeah. I was so sure it was like a lady from Futurama. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I knew who it was. And I'm like, wait, oh my god, it's so we have Marianne. her. Marianne. <laughs> yeah. That was my best Nigel, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so the the Yuyan archers are super badass. Yes. Um, I don't know why they don't show up later in the series. I asked Eddie and Marilyn mm. beforehand. I was like, these guys are like the sharpshooters of the Fire Nation. Why aren't they in more shit? Because they're doing some like Robin Hood shit. They're using arrows to like rappel down cliff sides. It's wild. Um, there's a scene where Aang is running away from them, and it's like a full storm coming on. The wind is blowing. You would think the arrows would be flying everywhere off their course, but they're landing perfectly right where they yeah. want them to. So that is like <laughs> accounting for that in real time is amazing. On that, though, I always wondered, because arrows travel through air, like, how come he couldn't just make, like, a wind barrier or kind of just alter the wind around him to make the arrows go other ways? Well, he did. I he, that. he used wind to deflect, what, I would say half of them. Oh, uh, but, but they're too good. They outnumbered, they outnumbered him, and he didn't even have a staff. He left it behind. I like how the lightning and the thunder was just, like, a plot point. Nope, gotta leave your staff behind so you could get caught, Aang. Mm-hmm. Did you see him make that staff, though? Like, fast forward into the fight scene, I guess, with the blue spirit and him. And he grabs a spear, breaks the spear, turns into a staff, and then uses the staff as a fucking helicopter. (laughs) That was the coolest scene ever. But but yeah, that's... We're getting ahead, but I I agree. The whole, like, purposefully have Aang leave his, um, his... glider behind i think that was smart too because i'm pretty sure they would have just pierced through his glider Mm, with the arrows Mm. that's true but after admiral zhao introduces the yuyan archers above the parapet or whatever above the castle or the fortress wall on the roof of that is the blue Blue spirit Spirit. who could it be (laughs) Do they say the blue spirit at all? No, they don't. Ooh, mysterious. And then you get introduced to, like, the blue spirit theme song, 
it's what movies call like the theme song whenever like the main character pops up and they're mm-hmm. like a badass character mm-hmm. they play like their little jingle and so zuko or the blue spirit gets like his own little jingle Ooh, can you play a snippet of it here are you able to do that i'll do it in the editing room wow right here And we're back. That was great. Damn. That was <laughs> great theme. <awesome. laughs> wow. I like how we cut to Zuko's ship and they're like, oh, have you seen this avatar? And they hold up the poster, right? Oh, God. Eddie and I paused that scene and we pulled out Google Translate on our phones. <laughs> and you wow. like get the camera and then you can kind yeah, of Yeah, live like, action. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a video. I wish we can show the video. Yeah, I but... put it up on Facebook and Instagram. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check it out. At one point, it says like vomiting. <laughs> yeah, like this is it, Joanna. Like it's going everywhere. And then, yeah, it says vomiting somewhere. Fire dragon. I don't know. Like this is totally oh, off. Impregnate. Yeah. yeah, it said impregnate one time. It was going haywire. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they show that to Zuko and his crew. And I like how Uncle Iroh is just straight up hustling all of the crew members in Pie Show. Pie Show um, Shark. We also cut to Sokka, Katara, and Momo, and Appa. Sokka's slowly losing his mind. And Katara tells Momo to go fetch some water. <laughs> and so she's like telling Momo this, and it cuts to Momo's perspective, which is, I think, the only time we see Momo's like first person view of Momo's perspective and it's a fish lens green tint and <laughs> Katara's just saying nonsense <laughs> words like the adults Charlie from, uh, Brown yeah, from, from Peanuts, peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how this is also a sneak peek into cactus juice <laughs> where everybody gets really loopy and I love the the repeated use of whenever somebody is really feverish or like lack of sleep, they're hallucinating. The animals always either talk to them, like yeah. Sokka thinks Alpha's telling jokes, jokes. the whole time. <laughs> I kind of want to hear it. <laughs> is it like when Aang tripped out? Oh, when he's the not sleeping? Sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They- <laughs> they're like standing and Alpha's standing on his hind legs, just like <laughs> acting normal. And it wasn't even a funny scene. He was just standing there in the background. <laughs> but we're not <laughs> there yet. To me. <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> that is the third season. I'm so mad. Let's do all the seasons right yeah, now. This show is really good because <laughs> at the heart of it, it's still a really funny cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Nickelodeon, man. It's crazy. I can't watch episodes with Eddie because every time I <laughs> watch the first season, Eddie just walks over and he's like, Toph's not there yet. It sucks. <laughs> and walks it away. Does, and she's not there. <laughs> I'm ready for season two. One quick thing. The architecture in this episode in general is freaking insane. I can like pause it at any moment and it's so stunning. Even like the fire fortress where they hold Aang. It's like half temple, half fortress. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. I think it was a temple and then they decided to just like make it into a fortress and you see those like three walls around mm. it. That makes mm. sense. They just take control of it as yeah. a fire nation. It's assholes. I wonder how long those have been ruins though because it seems like it had been a while. Like mm. there were scrolls on the walls entire walls are just like toppled over because they look like indigenous ruins to me they kind of reminded me kind of like mayan or aztec almost pyramid shaped so when ang goes down it almost looks like steps maybe i'm misremembering but that's what it reminded me of like i thought it was indigenous earth kingdom people Mm. who used to live there that's why there are badger moles on there because um, they okay, okay. had a really close okay. relationship with badger moles in the past. I don't think right. in modern day, maybe with Kiyoshi and Toph. Yeah, did Toph, she have a mole? She learned from them. Oh, from yeah. badger moles. Yeah. But like, they're not integrated with humans, right? They're no. kind of like on their own. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But mm. they're like the ancestors, like how dragons are to mm-hmm. the Fire Nation. And Sky Bison. 
We kind of skimmed through the herbalist. She just like sent him away. Sounds good. Yeah. I love how she's just the crazy cat lady <laughs> that I aspire to be one day. She's like not pressed about the outside world. She's just like, I'm just trying to like keep my cat and myself alive. <laughs> and her plants. Yeah. Because she like, that's the kind of shit we should be getting into right now. We should really be focusing on plants and herbs that double as something else. Like, that's why I gave up on succulents. I had a really big succulent collection. I'm, like, letting them die. I know that's really sad. But I really want to get into into plants that have more than an ornamental purpose. Mm. So I'm looking Mm. to get more purifying plants, plants that I can actually use as herbs. Because, like, that's what we need to get into. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about this special herb. No. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) It can cure anything. (laughs) Anything. So, the Yuan archers pinned down Aang in the lake or swamp area? Yeah. Yes. The lake. And the only reason they do that is because Aang is more concerned about getting the frogs than getting away. And I'm just so frustrated at him. I'm like, just get those later. Just circle (laughs) back, dude. And he's so nice to them, too. He's like, you dropped your arrows. God. He's he's so pure. So naive sometimes. (laughs) Poor guy. And he gets captured. But yeah, the Yuyan archers, I feel like this is probably the most action they've ever had in the 100 years. It reminds me of like Tai Lee and how Azula like recruits Tai Lee and Mei. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're just having the time of their lives. Like, like they're not outright... Mei having the time of her life. <laughs> yeah, because like <laughs> she was trapped in, what is it, her house. Like governor. Her dad's like a governor. Uh, yeah, and she's just always constantly bored. And I feel like Azula was kind of like the um, the catalyst for them being able to fully express their art. Like, it is like fighting is an art. Like, May and how she's able to just, like, pinpoint. And then same with, like, Tylene, her fighting skills. And oh. then with the Yuan <clears throat> archers, too, I feel like they can finally just, like, do what they're good at. And it seems like they don't kill. Because Admiral Zhao mentions how, like, you're wasting their talent. They could pin a fly from 100 yards away and not kill it. So I, I don't think they kill. For the archers, yeah, like... I kind of agree with what Marilyn's saying. I think they, with the Fire Nation kind of stabilizing as this, like, power over everybody at this point in the show, it's kind of boring for everybody. But then you also see how, like, hyper-militarized they make every child who is of noble, like, noble descent, kind of. Everybody who is in power in the Fire Nation, all their kids are fucking talented. Yeah. Um... Mm. Like, there's a really weird side story episode where they go to the beach and it seems like maybe it's just the five Fire Nation kids. And everybody who are, else is normal. Yeah, and everybody else is yeah. regular. But it seems like everybody in the Fire Nation is just ready to go. Like, everybody's trained. Like, if the Yuyan archers are any indication of where the Fire Nation puts their money, it's like, oh, it's definitely the military. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely mm-hmm. to, to keep everybody ready. There's no reason really right now to be so militarized other than the fact that the Avatar shows up. Um, I think everybody's just been at this like kind of on pause and held in place, just kind of waiting for like, okay, we're just waiting for this comet so we can finally attack Bossing Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that the Avatar comes out, everybody's like, oh shit, like there's actually an opportunity for everybody to fight back with the Avatar. So that kind of puts a fire underneath Admiral Zhao a and the fire. A fire. I <laughs> see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The herbalist woman did mention how, like, she does get some travelers, like some Earth Kingdom soldiers stop by, and she, like, pairs them up, and it's, like, so, like, minuscule. Is that the right word? As an Avatar fan, we kind of remembered the show by heart. Just, like, the, the main plot points, but... She's basically a nurse, and she's, like, patching up broken he, soldiers. Yeah, like... And they depict her as crazy, but I think that's so genuine. It's like um the Great Divide trail yeah. guide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how he just is oh, so happy. They're just keeping on, like, the war didn't happen, kind of. Or they're just, like, doing their best. 
Yeah, and then he's just, like, saving refugee lives and acts like it's, like, a vacation. Like, oh, this is where, you know, like, uh, ancient times ghosts would haunt the canyons or whatever. And then he got injured. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I fucking hate this job. <laughs> Why are there so many insects here? Who brought food? But again, like, every episode I do... For this podcast, I'm finding myself drawn to loving these, like, blink and you'll miss characters more yeah. and more. Like, she's so unbothered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you're here, you're here, I guess. I'll take care of you. Yeah. I'm scared to hear her story, though. Because she said there used to be a lot of her. Hmm. Like, a lot of people like her. And then they all left. Hopefully they left and it doesn't mean they died or something from the war. Well, she's she's pretty old. Old. Yeah. That's true. It could just be, yeah, it's also maybe like a dying profession. Mm, mm. To be an herbalist. Yeah. It's not flashy. Everyone is drafted into the war. And where they are in the mountains, it doesn't look like it's very, like, it doesn't look like a point of civilization, really. There's, like, little outposts. And, again, the whole thing we were talking about with the ruins, mm. like, it's an area that I don't think a lot of Earth Kingdom people live in. So. Yeah. She's isolated and alone. Of course, she's going to come off as a little loopy, but she has her friendly cat to keep her company. They love depicting. It's kind of like how um, Studio Ghibli depicts old women as like really scary old witches as a joke, but they're technically really kind at the end. Mm. Avatar does this thing with old people where they're really crazy like with Boomy, with uncle ira with this lady they want to depict them as really really out there and not really not deserving but they're depicting them as people that you can just kind of glance at and like look the other way and dismiss mm-hmm. i guess is the word that i'm looking for but in reality they have so much wisdom behind them and so much experience behind them and that's such a good like good little point to make in a kid's show that it's like yeah these old people kind of know what they're talking about even though they're yeah it seem pretty silly except for the blood bending lady she's oh. kind of like, well she i have a psycho thoughts on her <laughs> <laughs> i gravitate towards the like oh no <laughs> i don't know it's it's weird because trauma does weird things mm. to people Um, And I just really respect women who are powerful and who have conviction, um, whether or not they're misguided in their actions. Mm. I think holding on to that past made her like that. But she, if it weren't for what happened to her, would have been the strongest waterbender on Earth so far or that we've seen so far. That's true. I I forgot her. You know, you're right. it becomes Katara. Afterwards, yeah. oh, I yeah. totally forgot the reason. Yeah, even with her <laughs> corrupt morals, she still had a lot of insight, and it definitely changed Katara's life. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, good. so we're back to where Aang is captured. He's in this room, and Admiral Zhao walks in and just starts like pouring salt in his wounds. He makes God. a comment and is straight up like. Do you miss your people? You're the only one left. And Aang is just... He puts his head down. Oh my god, what a fucking asshole. He's a fucking 12-year-old kid plus 100. But then Aang gets back at him by, like, blowing... Blowing? (laughs) I actually put that, the emoji of the wind blowing fire at Zhao. We cut back to uh, Sokka, Katara, Momo, and Appa. And Sokka is slowly like descending into madness. Momo brings a dead mouse and puts it on Katara. <laughs> like, oh. But she can't move or something. So she's just looking here. She's like, <laughs> Water, you fool. Yeah, so Momo goes out to try to find something he can't understand. We cut back to the fortress. We see the blue spirit, like, hella sneaking in while Admiral Zhao is making, like, a Nazi speech Mm -hmm. slash Star Wars Nazi speech slash 
Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> Nazi speech. And it's just always like they're grouped in those rows of squares. They're little factions or troops, whatever. Yeah. But at least like this okay. crowd is like more lively and they're like, yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. That's scary. Oh, but to the Blue Spirit being sneaky, did you see him pop out of the ground? Did you see that? He's like the cart rolls by. And then he pops out of the ground and grabs on under the cart. Yeah. That how the hell did he do that? Like that was weird. He, he did um, He did a Peta Malark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that his last name? I don't know. Oh, from Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> he just blinds he just like, eyes himself. Paints his face into a rock. Yeah. Oh man. No, I didn't <laughs> see that. But I mean, this whoever this blue spirit Ooh, is. Who could he be? It's pretty amazing. Pretty stealthy. I forgot which episode it was where Uncle Iroh is like bathing and he's butt naked, but then he gets captured. And then uh, Zuko's trying to hunt him down and he's like, oh, and then you said rule 34 uh, with him no, in the... I didn't say it. It was Oh, it was Joanna. And you, you echoed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He taught us rule 34. Which is? Um, there is a porn for it. If it exists in a TV show or movie... There's probably There's a, porn. a porn for it. Uh, rule 35. If there isn't a rule 34, then it will be made. Thanks, Josh. That's <laughs> my little brother. <laughs> <laughs> what porn are you watching, Josh? Oh, Uncle Iroh. He's like half naked with chains. Yeah, and you see him in action <laughs> and how he's able to defeat that whole troop of earthbending military guys mm -hmm. with just the chains that he has. Like, he doesn't even fire Ben at all. He doesn't need to. Doesn't he breathe fire? No, that's... No, never mind, never mind, never mind. And then I love how you can compare it to the Blue Spirit here, where you see his skills without firebending, mm -hmm. with just mm -hmm. his swords. But he doesn't even use his swords until after he saves Aang. And so you see his abilities. Yeah, with the chain, how he ties up the guards. And the water bucket. Yeah. Like, that's so wild. That it awesome. really makes you think how they raised Zuko and Azula. Mm. Like, if they're that talented at that age, like, did they just go through drills all their lives? Like, no wonder they don't know how to make friends. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think it's, uh, it's Uncle Iroh's guidance. He probably mm. had Zuko do drills without firebending and just, like, train him to not rely on it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we see the blue spirit break Aang out. And Aang is like, wait, my frogs! And you see the frogs just, like, slowly melting. and thawing out, trying Aww. to crawl away. <laughs> we cut back to... Momo. <laughs> Momo. Poor Momo. Sokka is just batshit crazy at this point. Your highness. <laughs> Katara's winning <laughs> a, a crown. <laughs> And there's like a million things around them. I like how Appa is just laying there. Yeah, like he, he doesn't could totally give a fuck. Do <laughs> because he Appa understands English. Yeah. Or at least Aang. Yeah. Like he gets yip yip. I don't know. And poor oh my god. Water. Poor Katara. <laughs> fucking water. Like she's keeping it together. I'd be cussing at the fucking um wait, what is Lemur? Momo? Yeah. Flying like, lemur. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Lemur bat. I know. Momo's so cute. He's bringing like every possible thing he could find. Like, is yeah. it this? Is it this? You know, he's carrying <laughs> each one of those things one at a time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Katara is just like yelling out to the wind, Aang, where are you? Yeah. And, and then he's still trapped. Yeah. But not for long. But not for long. Blue Spirit breaks him out. But I think this is the, like one of the most action-packed scenes in a while. I don't know. I have to to look back. But the scene in particular, yeah. the escape with Aang and the Blue Spirit is so good. It's animated so well. Yes. And like, okay, so they break out and Aang and the Blue Spirit are attacked with people with spears. And this is what Eddie was saying mm -hmm, earlier mm -hmm. where... Aang sees the spear and rather than using it as a weapon, 
breaks the spearhead off to use it as a staff so he Mm -hmm. could do the most like bumblebee thing like how is this even possible (laughs) he he hooks his legs around the blue spirit's arms under the armpit and spins the bow staff around so so fast and uses air to like propel themselves upwards <laughs> so they get onto the top of the fortress gate. Yep. Yeah. How? <laughs> and you see them vibing off of each other too yeah. in combat. They're just like bouncing back and forth and they are just so intertwined mm-hmm. in their actions. They can like essentially read each other's thoughts and cover for each other. Yeah. And that's really hard to come by, I feel, yeah. when you're in combat with a total stranger. But this, I think this is one of the first foreshadowings of how how well they are together. Yeah. Because I think it was, well, I guess we don't know who the Blue Spirit is, <laughs> but if we did, we know what? that the creators knew from the beginning that Zuko was always going to be the fire teacher for Aang. So this is our little hint mm-hmm. when we find out who the Blue Spirit is. Yeah. Spoilers. And those bamboo ladders, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Run up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So that part first, where the Fire Nation soldiers take these bamboo ladders, run straight at a wall. The first person, ninety degrees, <laughs> starts running gosh, up the wall, up. bending the bamboo. And I wrote down Chinese bamboo, very strong. <laughs> very strong. Rush hour too. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I swear, I think I saw a Jackie Chan movie where he did he does that. that. Yeah. I don't By know himself which one. or were people pushing him? Because in this one You would need the He yeah. had people pushing him up. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But then as some firebenders are climbing up this bamboo ladder, Aang just air bombs him and I'm just like, Oh they're dead. They're dead. Yeah. <laughs> they all should be dead. <laughs> Dang. Like yeah, let's let's break the spears into stabs so we don't kill people, but also like fucking Sonic boom them straight into the ground. Yeah, they're dead. They should have died. They're dead. It's like um, when you have barbecue on a stick and you're just trying to get like one piece off the stick. Flings off. That type Skewers. of force where it yeah. just like flies straight off the the ladder. But so Aang and the Blue Spirit are super resourceful because there's like three walls in front of each other. That's how much of a fortress it is where there's like three places that you have to clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so they use, I guess they're past the first two and they're on the last one that they're trying to get over. And they use the bamboo ladders as stilts. They like yeah. pole vault <laughs> over like a pretty significant distance. And everybody's just watching until one guy goes, oh, wait, we can shoot fire. Fire. (laughs) We're firebenders, guys. And finally shoots up fire on the bamboo ladder. Um, I don't know. It's just so powerful. The music is super exciting. Yeah. The way it's animated and choreographed is done really well where it's a dynamic scene where it's not just like, people coming at them towards the center of the the frame. They're coming in and out of the frame. They have close shots. It's just really good. And talking about um, what you said, how Aang and Zuko work really well together, part of me thinks of that end scene or like near the end of this episode where Aang talks about like, I had a Fire Nation friend. Kuzan. Kuzan. Very familiar name later on, right? Is that the that's, that's one that the he name uses? that he chooses, he uses, right? right? Okay, yeah. Okay. That's what I was, I was like, thinking. am I misremembering? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, don't look at me. But it's like that kind of timing for how they fight. I wonder if Aang gets the timing of how firebenders move. I don't know if Kuzan was a firebender, mm. but I'm guessing he was because they knew he was the avatar. They would probably want him playing with other benders. Yeah. Um. Mm. But maybe that's where he picked it up. Because the way airbenders and firebenders move, or maybe it's just how Aang moves, they move pretty similarly. Like, Aang (laughs) likes to circle around Uh people to kind of deflect the fire, right? And with firebenders, firebending, airbending, earthbending, and waterbending all have their 
staples mm -hmm. in a very real martial art in mm -hmm. our world. Mm -hmm. um, but the way Aang moves, you can tell he's more than just an airbender. He picks up different movements from different elements that mm -hmm. he implements later on. And I feel like when he's fighting with Zuko, the way he moves and the way the blue spirit moves is really similar. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if, like, he picked that up from his time in the Fire Nation. So Aang and Zuko get cornered, and the firebenders just full-on blast. Aang is creating, like, an air bubble around them to deflect. Admiral Zhao tells them to stop. We need the Avatar alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which then the Blue Spirit is like, nope. <laughs> Puts him in knife to throat. If you watch The 100, you could play like a drinking game with that show. There's like a knife to throat in every episode. It's crazy. But yeah, so they open the gates and Blue Spirit has Aang hostage. Everyone's like, wait, what are you doing? He's escaping. Mm -hmm. Amaro is like, no, we need precision. <laughs> <laughs> As they are about 100 yards away, probably to the dot, you see, like, a sparkle. What? Like a little... <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with your fingers? Like you a star... <laughs> like a star... Um, like a twinkle? Yes. Like a twinkle. And the arrow flies in and hits the blue spirit right in the forehead. I felt that. Like, Ooh. that scene. I felt it hit my forehead. It like, that was so cool. The video faded to white as you see the blue spirit falling and Aang sees a glimpse of the face, doesn't believe it, blows dust in the air, and Mojao's freaking out, go get him! <laughs> and then Aang peels back the mask to reveal... Momo. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's where Momo was going the yeah, whole time. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> it was Zuko. Zuko! Why, Zuko. why didn't Zuko just kill the Avatar? I mean, it's, he, he, he needs it alive. Yeah. My honor, my throne. And this is when first time Avatar watchers are like, what? Oh my God. He has to be the one to take home the Avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. I want to know your thoughts about this scene because it's like, what, maybe like 30 seconds long where after that happens, Aang pulls Zuko into the forest where they have cover and it's daylight now mm -hmm. um it's the next day and zuko comes to and ang is sitting like on a rock or on a above zuko where zuko just comes to and he's on the forest floor and ang recognizes that zuko's awake and ang tells zuko about his past life hanging out with kids of the fire nation and how he wishes things could go back to the way they were and there's like a four second pause after ang asks him do you think we could ever be friends? Mm -hmm. And you see Zuko just kind of chilling there, thinking about it. And in those four seconds, you're like, what is he going to do? And immediately, oh, <laughs> besides, I no, yeah. I need to capture you. But what do you think Zuko was thinking at that Ooh. point? Do you think he was just kind of like coming to his senses at that point? Or do you think he was actually considering what Aang was saying? Thinking about which Zuko this is, I don't think so. I think this whole, he was trying, I would hope to think, like, yes, he was considering it, but I feel like this whole thing was to, actually, now I take it back. Because why was he so sad at the end? Like, what, he was, like, laying in his bed, just, like, thinking about something. So maybe, maybe he was thinking about it. I jumped everywhere on that one, sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, but no, that's yeah. that's where I am too, where we can't really know what he's thinking. But the fact that Zuko feels so alone, he's so young, surrounded by a crew that's a lot older than him. Um, he knows he has to turn in the Avatar, but the fact that the Avatar, who's supposed to be the ruin of the Fire Nation, offered to be his friend. Yeah. And they worked mm. so well together. He was probably thinking, what if we did live in a different world where I didn't have to capture this yeah, kid? Yeah, yeah. In the last episode, The Storm with Brian Buhanda, I really like how Brian brings up the fact that you see glimpses of Zuko and how he was before. All of the traits of a good leader are there, 
but along the way it got lost in all of like the pressures of what his father put on him, what the Fire Nation society has put on him, the pressures of regaining his honor, like all of that got lost. And you see Zuko turning into a version that we don't like in season one, but Uncle Iroh sees the true potential of Zuko. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see glimpses of the true potential of Zuko. Mm -hmm. And then the writers are definitely playing with that. Yeah, they're definitely planting the seeds of him joining the Aang gang. It's one of my favorite quotes and one of my favorite scenes from uh, the TV show, I would say my top ten, is when Aang, and this is a quote, If we knew each other back then, do you think we could have been friends too? And oh my god, it just breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh. But they do become friends, spoiler alert. They do. Great friends. Mm -hmm. And I love how, like, the ultimate betrayal in End of Season 2, just when you think Zuko can't screw up anymore, like, how are you going to redeem him after that? And they do. And oh my gosh, it's yeah. it's amazing. The reason why I like Zuko as a character and why this show is so impactful is that push and pull of Zuko, where mm. it's not just like, he's shown that he's bad, he's bad forever. He's shown that he's good, he's good forever. There's a push and pull with him. Mm. With Zuko, it's just really interesting to see his arc deciding where he stands in this world, because if he's not Fire Lord, then what is he? That's all he's known for so long and fire lord means acting in a very particular way it means being the supreme leader of all these other elements and so that exposure to ang and the rest of the world like actually traveling to see different parts of the world really open his eyes and really change him and the fact that uncle iroh is there supporting that part of him mm. and I think that kind of parallels what Uncle Iroh has seen, the fact that he was able to leave the Fire Nation and see different parts of the world. That's why Uncle Iroh decided that war isn't that great because he saw different nations and that just kind of opened his heart a little bit more. So the show really hinges on like compassion and friendship on so many levels that, I don't know, it just overlaps so many characters arcs and it's like it's kind of reductive to just kind of bring it back to like oh friendship really matters in this show mm -hmm. but like that essential question that ang asks is like if our situation was different do you think we could have been friends like zuko knows the answer is yes but that's not the reality that they live in so i don't know if he took those four seconds to really like mourn the fact that mm. yeah like we really could have been but that's not how it's going to happen. Like, I don't know. It's just really powerful to me. And that's why I really like this episode. The fact that he needs to be the blue spirit to kind of pull away from that mm -hmm. identity of being mm -hmm. Zuko is really good too. The idea that he needs to put on a different identity to act differently. Like that's still Zuko, you know, yeah. like that's still him. But the only way that he can show compassion and the only way that he can help others, like he steals food for other people, right? When he and Uncle Iroh are refugees, he steals mm. food as the blue spirit. The only way he can be compassionate is if he's somebody else, because he has this idea of who he is as like scarred fire prince Zuko. There's no other way for him to be unless he puts on this mask. And uh, I don't know, the mask just has so much symbolism. And when he finally gives the mask away is when he's able to be season three Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> season three Zuko. And it's the traits that the Fire Nation culture disregards and represses too. Like compassion and understanding. Dancing. Can't dance. We cut to what you said and Prince Zuko is laying in bed thinking about what just happened and you see Uncle Iroh playing that instrument <laughs> mm -hmm. and it like cements like the diegetic music that we've been hearing all along and the bejeweled monkey he got it what was that he bought it from Waterbending Scroll episode oh from Brian Kniesko the right, pirate right, barker right. But what if Zuko was just sad because he missed music night? <laughs> Doing that whole thing? But the question is, at that moment, does Uncle Iroh know that he is the blue spirit? 
In my canon, yes, I feel like Uncle Iroh knows more about Zuko than Zuko knows about himself. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really cliche, but I think I think Uncle Iroh knows and understands that weird gymnastics that Zuko has to do in his head to be like, if I want to do something that's not expected of a fire prince, I have to be somebody else. And I don't know, that's just really powerful. With that scene where he's in bed and he's kind of tossing and turning and sighing, I think it's significant that he like turns his back towards the Fire Nation mm. scroll. Mm. Almost as if like one, he feels ashamed and like can't look at the symbol of the Fire Nation, and then two, kind of turns his back on what they expect him to be, because that's kind of when he decides he he is at odds with the Fire Nation because they're both trying to capture the Avatar. So he's more singular in his goal than ever before, whereas before they would have helped him capture the Avatar. But now everybody's all out for the Avatar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like before it was just his goal. Now that everybody needs to capture the Avatar, he's more alone than ever before. So he, I don't know, it's just really significant that they do that. And they parallel that with Aang, who comes back to Sokka and Katara with the frogs. They love the taste. <laughs> mm, so yeah. tasty. Sokka's mouth. <laughs> the way they animate his like upper lip is really like troubling. <laughs> yeah. It's just really weird. Um, and then they ask him like, "Hey, Aang, did you have like their make any? Friends. They've been yeah, they've been in like a fever state forever, but they remember the single thing that Aang says before he left a day ago, which is like." Maybe I'll meet some new friends. Mm. And they ask him, like, oh, did you find any new friends? And Aang turns around and goes, no, I guess I didn't. It's just so, like, heartbreaking because he he just wants to to befriend everybody. And the fact, like, this one person that's out to get him, he still sees the good in that person and really thought that there was something there that he could relate to. It breaks his heart that, like, doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Like, I think at that point, Aang really doesn't believe that Zuko could ever, could ever not hunt the Avatar. Mm. And then the frogs thaw. Credits. And the episode ends. It was a good episode. I like this one. Um, I was worried that it would just be, like, all action, that there wasn't much to talk about in terms of plot, but I think it's a really good example of the trajectory that everybody's arcs are on. Yeah. And then if you look at all of season one on like um, a graph, it's like escalating. Because the episode before that was a storm. Now it was mm-hmm. just all exposition at that point. The episode before that was The Great Divide, which is a quote unquote filler episode. I'll admit of all the episodes of season one, this is when I hated Zuko the least. All right, that's an improvement. <laughs> I can't get over that he betrayed Uncle Iroh in the future, though, in season two. It's rough. I hate him. I hate Zuko. <laughs> How Fuck could you him. do that to Uncle Iroh? God. Yeah, in terms of, like, if you look at the aspects of Jet. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> I hate Jet more than I hate Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the aspect of... Or, like, the categories of film in TV in general. What stood out to me in this episode was the score. The score was spot on. Like, mm-hmm. the zingers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Blue Spirit theme song. But also the editing. Like, when you see... It's like a long shot of the Blue Spirit in the bushes. And it, like, harsh cuts and zooms in. And it goes, dum, dum. And kind of like a horror film. There are, like, a bunch of shots in here... And the zingers also help where you get kind of like this horror feel, but it's also very action-packed and you find like moments of companionship when you least expect it and food for thoughts with the dialogue and the writing is just exquisite. Like they're planting all the seeds for Zuko's character arc and it is immediately following right after the storm. And the storm is the episode where... 
like the show cements like oh Zuko can change because we see like how Zuko was before and where he is now and how Uncle Iroh still sees that and so like back to back it's just great Mm. touching on the the music notes or the score for this episode I'm wondering if those like those percussive notes that you're talking about the cuts I wonder if that's supposed to be like evocative of the mask because mm. I tried to do some research on how they got the the mask and why they chose that mask mm. so it was like a like a Chinese dramatic mask and they just changed the colorway oh. on it so I'm wondering if in like traditional Chinese plays or in plays where they would have like theater masks, they if they would have that specific type of music. Oh. Um, and if that character is supposed to be like either a demonic spirit or supposed to be something that has a lot of gravitas, which is why they play the really like heavy yeah. um, drum notes for it. But yeah, I agree. I really like the score. It really just highlights the action and then the parts where it's just really like heart wrenching, <laughs> the the slow flute of it all is just really good. Uh, closing thoughts, Eddie. Besides you listening to you two, I learned a lot more about Zuko. Like I don't know. Like there's little things that you two brought up that I like didn't even realize because I always had this lens of just I hate Zuko, like him turning away. From the banner, the Fire Nation banner, him taking those four seconds and not... We don't know what he was thinking in those four seconds before he shot Aang. All those little things that I didn't see because I hated him. Mm. Like, now now I need to reconsider Ponytail Zuko. Maybe he's... Uh, there's something good in him. It takes three seasons. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be okay eventually. In regards to what Eddie is saying about Zuko... I think above else, this episode really highlights how Zuko has that potential to change. The symbol becomes more telling later on what it stands for, which is a side to Zuko that he can't quite come to terms with yet because of how he has been brainwashed to believe that he must be, which is why Zuko as a character... I really appreciate because I talked about it earlier about toxic masculinity and when we see how young boys are today where we live especially we live in Southern California Mm -hmm. we live in America we're kind of privileged in the way that if you are queer or if you are other if you are anything other than what people consider to be masculine traits it's okay like people are Mm -hmm. accepting of that. But I think for for Zuko as a character, the idea of toxic masculinity and how to overcome that, this show does a really great job in saying that you can't overcome toxic masculinity alone. He has a really good example in Uncle Iroh, and I can't wait for you all to kind of hear Greg, who voices Uncle Iroh after Mako passes away, how he feels about his character Mm -hmm. and what an Uncle Iroh figure is and how everybody will need an Uncle Iroh figure in their lives, whether or not they are kind of battling toxic masculinity or not. They need to have a good example of what um, healthy masculinity can be. I don't know. This is a good episode to really showcase Zuko as a whole. Um, My closing thoughts for this episode is everything mentioned, (laughs) but also the animation in terms of like The architecture of everything is amazing. And some of my questions are like for the Yuyan archers, are those real tattoos? Like, is it like their tribal tattoo? Or do they paint? Is it like Mm. the Mandalorian thing where you don't have to be part of the tribe, but if they raise you like and you're talented, you get that? Is it cultural appropriation? Of whose culture? Native American? What's your favorite catchphrase? Oh, um, I don't know. I always really liked Avatar State. Yip, yip. <laughs> That's always a good one. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me which bender would I be. I thought about this because if you watch the show and you didn't think about it, what's wrong with you? Um, I would think that I'm a earthbender. 
an <gasps> earthbender. Either an earthbender or firebender. But my issue is I would want to be an airbender. Mm. But I'm way too fucking stubborn <laughs> to go with the flow. Um, I think I would be similar to Korra where it would just be really hard to tap into the spirituality of what airbending needs. Um, and I think earthbending is really grounding. It's really assuring. And that's something that I like would want to base my whole strength on, yeah, 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 you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and with firebending, I think I wouldn't want to be a firebender because it's honestly like one of the weakest elements Sorry. <laughs> Unless you can lightning bend. Unless you could lightning bend, can. but I mean that's like top tier. Um no, but fire bending has its perks, but I honestly see myself as an earth bender. Um but yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Marilyn. When you're flying in the sky on a bison way up with your friends around you And a little Lima too On a journey across the sea We'll be soaring peacefully Drinking cactus juice all day